listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook. And today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston, continuing his series, Reflecting Jesus. Welcome, David. Thanks, Jason. How are you today? Good, thank you. I'm very well, and it's good, good to have you back. Um, we had some technology challenges last oh, week, yes. and uh, we pray that uh, things go smoothly today. Hmm. So, David, uh, you have been sharing stories of blessings um, hmm. during your uh, series, Reflecting Jesus. Now, we have been studying the fruit of the Spirit, and we came hmm. to the last one of those last week on self-control. But yeah. uh, I believe you've still got some more stories to share. Oh, yes, got lots of stories to share, Jason. Um, and hopefully, hopefully they'll be helping somebody. Uh, the way I'm looking at blessings in my Christian walk, uh, because often we we uh, have blessings, but we don't share them with other people. And I think if you do share your blessings, uh, people can see how God's blessed you, and perhaps it can open their eyes up a little bit to how God is blessing them. Mm. So one of the ones I wanted to share today was uh, we were in we were in Sydney. Uh, this is going back to. 1996, 95, 96, going way back then. Um, and we were really not enjoying Sydney, I suppose, if anyone who's lived in Sydney, or some people really enjoy the busyness and the rush and all of that. Not something that I really enjoy. Mm. I prefer a little bit of a quieter lifestyle. And we were there um, just doing what we had to do, working, and we'd been in WA for a number of years and really, really loved the pace, uh, the life, the people, all the things in Western Australia. And so we really wanted to be back there. But, uh, you know, life happens and you end up where you end up and following different circumstances in your life. And so while we're in Sydney, I, I was uh, working for a company called Lucas Aerospace and had to drive oh, from one side of Sydney to the other or catch a train every day to get to work. Hectic, hectic, just really stressful, you mm. know, going through all of that kind of driving. And the day before Christmas, we were having a Christmas party with the company I was with. And during the Christmas party, I got a phone call. So this is this, this Lucas Aerospace is working in the aerospace industry. Quite a good job. Uh, reasonably well paid, Monday to Friday. And and uh, I, I got this phone call from a man I'd worked for in Western Australia in the restaurant industry. Now, you wouldn't think that a restaurant job would trump a aircraft engineering job. Mm. Um, I was doing some IT study at the time because I recognised uh, the future was in IT. For me, the future wasn't really in the aircraft work the way I saw it. So I got this phone call and it was a job offer in Western Australia. When you work out the standard of living, what I would get paid, it was basically a $10,000 pay increase and the ability to be back in Western Australia. It took a bit of prayer, it took a bit of thinking, um, and it sounded really good on the phone. I trusted this man, I really trusted this man, you know, we had a very good working relationship. So 
I, I didn't get a contract, but we had a verbal agreement. Mm-hmm. So we pack everything up. I took the job. We packed everything up. We moved back to Western Australia. And within six weeks, I discovered that it wasn't... There was a very fine detail that, um, that meant when things were right and I wasn't working on a weekend anymore, they were going to drop my pay, which really made a considerable difference mm. to to the job. So I didn't see it at the time as a blessing. You know, I saw it as, well, how did we do this? How did we pack up our life and come all the way over here? And it didn't work out. You know, we, we couldn't trust the word of um, the word of this guy because there was a miscommunication somewhere. But when I looked back, I realised what a blessing this was. It got got us out of Sydney. It got us back to Western Australia. You know, we spent another, um, well, we spent another uh, 10 years over there and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Is is Western Australia... um where you your family is or where you grew up no, no none okay. of that none of right. that i got a posting to there from, oh, you know, okay. from previous programs yeah and we got out in western australia and i just loved it it was mm. great scuba diving great all sorts of things it was just a fabulous place to be i really enjoyed it the only the only downside was the distance from family you know and and so far from everything else in australia but as a place as people as a lifestyle loved it you know, so when I looked back, I saw that it was such a blessing for us to be there, um, and it didn't come as a blessing. It came as well. It appeared to be a blessing, but you know, when, once we got there, we saw this. This is not a blessing. Mm. I could only stay there for six weeks, and I moved into another company. But the long term of it, when we look back, we see how we, we can see God's hand in it. We could see how He led, how we had to be back there. I had to be in IT. I had to go through all the stuff in IT. We'll talk about that another time. But um, sometimes, sometimes what you find uh, with blessings is they might come in disguise mm. <laughs> as something other than that. You know, and when we we're going through it, it doesn't appear to be a blessing Mm. it appears to be a challenge it appears to be you know something else but um, most people only look at blessings as good things Mm. but james uh, we're going to look at james a little bit later in the first chapter of james um, chapter one verse two and three he says this consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So if we were only given good things, Jason, how would our faith be strengthened? That's a good question. Um, I think we all face trials, and I think if we, what, what do they say, that saying that if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, a good saying. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit like that, isn't it? That uh, if we if we hold on to our faith and we come mm. through the other side, some people, I guess, throw it away, mm. which is uh, disappointing. And I, I don't think that's what God wants uh, for us to do. He wants us to um, cling closer to Him. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, I think I've experienced that same sort of thing where mm. I, I've faced some challenges, and it's actually drawn me closer to God as a result. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So blessing comes both challenges and successes. Mm. And when we acknowledge that, when we see that in our lives, um, like I said, you might not see it when you're going through it, 
but persevere and when you get through it you'll see something has changed something has changed that's made you a better person mm. and you can see it as a blessing later mm. now david for our listeners who might be listening for the very first time we have a show number this is a mobile text number you can text zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one write that down zero four eight 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 zero Eight nine one. We will have a free book offer later in the program, so you need to use that number to get that free book offer. We're also going to ask you a question shortly, and we'd love you to respond, to have a think about our question and, and text us in. Um, if you would like to share something that you don't want uh, shared on air, just say so in the message, and uh, we'd love to still hear from you, but uh, we don't have to share that on air, of course. But uh, if you've got something to share, we'd love to hear from you as well um, to share with our listeners. So uh, that's our show number, 0488 And, of course, you can catch up on our past episodes. You can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. There's a listen menu, and you can go to programs and podcasts, and you can find all of our past episodes for Tassie Encounters on there. And, of course, there's Faith FM app that you can get as well. We're going to go to a break shortly, but I think you've got a question to put out there for our listeners to think about while we're playing our our break, our music, David. Yes, I do. Thanks, Jason. Today I want to look at this, uh, continuing the series of Reflecting Jesus. I want to look at a topic called Freedom from Guilt, and it's a six... Um, in this, this continuing section, it's a section of six presentations looking at the, uh, the, the way we reflect about Jesus because of his indwelling Holy Spirit. We looked at that with the fruit of the Spirit in our Christian walk. Um, these things I want to cover in these six presentations are things that give us hope that we can share with other people. But before the break, um, the, the listener question I want to talk about, because we're looking at freedom from guilt, would anyone be willing to share a time when you received relief from some long-held guilt, something mm-hmm. that made you feel guilty, when you, when you received some relief from, from, from that? Text us in. We'd love to hear from you. 488 Share a time when you received relief from some long-held guilt. This is Savannah Ellis with It Is Done. Crucified by hands and hearts and voices he had made. Sacrificed by those he came to rescue, came to save. Forgiveness trampled over sin now and forever it is finished. God of light ran into the scathing arms of death, gave his life, swallowed all my shame and pain. Trampled over sin now and forever it is finished 
Listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM, and this morning we're talking with David Maxwell on the topic of freedom from guilt. And before the break, we asked a question we'd love you to share with us a time when you received relief from some long held guilt. Text us in your answer on 0488 880891. If uh, you would like that to be shared on air, that's fine. If you would not, if you'd like to not to be shared on air, just say so in the message and we'll keep that private. So we did have a uh, listener text in. Teresa has texted in, Good morning, Tassie. I had a lot of past trauma and guilt I held on to all my life, but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I've been set free in Christ Jesus. We are set free from our past and walk in the light with him daily. God bless you always and have a great day. Well, thank you, Teresa. And we also say God bless to you and have a great day as well. Thanks for texting in. Now, before the break, David, uh, we were going to or we'll mention the fact that we're going to talk about the topic of freedom from guilt. So I think mm. it's time to start to get into that and unpack mm. it. Yeah, start unpacking it. No worries, Jason. So today we're looking at this topic, and it's a very important topic because as uh, Teresa has texted in, it's something that affects all of us at some point in our life. So I, I want us to be able to see how God promises to free us from these feelings of guilt that our sin often brings. And 
as Teresa said, she's experienced that. It's a powerful mm. feeling when you experience it. Um, but first, we're going to pray, and then we're going to read this passage that we're looking at today. So let me pray for you. Sure. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we're able to have this discussion today. We're able to talk freely about what sin does to us, what Satan does to make us feel like we are trapped. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Jason, could you please read from the New King James this time? Uh, James chapter 2, 8 to 13. Sure. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble on one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm. That's really good. Now, there's a, a question we were talking about earlier yeah. about the law of liberty. There's, there's, um, a, there's a couple of things in the latter part of that, the verse mm. 12 and 13, that says, so speak and so do as you'll be judged by the law of liberty. So what is the law of liberty? And also, uh, this judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. I'm going to leave both those questions until we finish. Awesome. If, if we finish and you feel like we haven't answered that question, either text in and let us know, or if you mention it, Jason, we'll, we'll have a chat briefly about what that law of liberty is. But hopefully as we unpack it, it will actually help everyone to understand what that's talking about. As an, ex as an explanation of this stumbling at one point guilty of all, I want to use an illustration. Um, I'm pretty sure my daughter's not listening and she won't mind anyway. When our daughter was really young, there were many times when she was strong-willed and not wanting to obey or do what she was asked to. Now, don't get the wrong impression. She was generally a very well-behaved child. But like most children, um, there's times when they just simply want their own way. So let's say she was good all week, but then come Saturday morning, it was time to get ready for church, and she decided she wanted to sleep in. Now, I'm just... I'm just making something up here, but, um, you know, the things that happened were, were similar to this. So she decided she wanted to sleep and not get upright when she was asked to. Even though she'd been good all week, was she being a disobedient child at that point? Yes. <laughs> of course. But was she guilty of my sleeping in? No, that's your no. responsibility. <laughs> that's my responsibility. She wasn't guilty of being, at this, at, right at that point, she wasn't guilty of being rude or stealing or hurting the pets or none of that. She was just guilty of the one act, not listening and being obedient. However, because of that one act, she was breaking the law and being disobedient to her parents. So this is, this is the picture of what James is talking about. You are a lawbreaker. If you break one point, regardless of which point it is that you're breaking, mm. that's what the text is telling us today. You might not have murdered or committed adultery or stolen anything or wanted stuff that wasn't yours, but if you just don't put God first in your life or you don't keep your Sabbath, you're still guilty of being a lawbreaker mm. and breaking his laws. 
And it doesn't matter which one you break. You know, it might be just the smallest white lie or uh, something like that, but you're still a lawbreaker. That's exactly right. You break his law and you break any of the laws, not just the big ones. And there's consequences for breaking the law. Guilt. We'll come back, we'll come back to that for a little bit later. So we're talking about guilt. What is guilt and what, what am I guilty of? Well, guilt is described in the concise Oxford Dictionary as uh, a feeling of having done wrong or failed in an obligation. I'll read that again. Guilt is described as a feeling of having done wrong or failed in an obligation. Mm. I think that covers everybody. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this feeling comes when we discover what God requires of us and, and in a spiritual sense. And then we realize we've fallen short of his requirements. I, I see an example of this in Ezra. Now, I have to go to these verses quickly because I know that we always run out of time. <laughs> so, Ezra chapter 9, 15 to 10, 1, just a couple of verses. It says in 15, uh, Ezra speaking, O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we, have, we are left as remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. Now, while Ezra was was praying and while he was confessing and weeping and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women and children gathered to him from Israel for the people wept very bitterly. It, It explains here their feeling of guilt. God's people are just left as a remnant. You know, of all the people that were left in Israel or that were there before in Israel and Judea and Jerusalem before it was conquered by the surrounding nations, you know, Babylon, Persia, after 70 years in captivity, there's a, there's a small, very small number of people compared to that large number before. After 70 years in captivity, they're ready to obey. They want to turn back to God and be loyal and obey him and all of that. But still there were some who had either disregarded, forgotten, or not known about God's laws of intermarriage with the, with the nations. And when it was discovered um, that there were some who had intermarried, there was uh, it was brought to the leaders and Ezra's attention, and there was this real sense of guilt before God. Hey, we've, we've done wrong. And they're weeping and they're, they're really showing their, their repentance. So in the human sense, you can have this sense of guilt whenever you fail in an expected obligation. But in a spiritual sense, when you break any of God's laws, either knowingly or ignorantly, and then you discover what it is that you've done, someone tells you or you read about it or whatever it might be, then you have this sense of, I've failed in God's obligations, he's expected obligations to me. So these are not just in the Ten Commandments, though. The laws um, are everything there is that's about living a connected life to him. So, you know, we don't don't just limit it to Ten Commandments, Jason. Um, Jesus highlighted it in Matthew 5. He deepens their understanding, their own understanding. Now, just imagine that there were 600 laws. They had 613 laws that they tried to obey. That's pretty tough, eh? That's uh, huge. (laughs) So these are broadly referred to in the Ten Commandments, but even so, Jesus further summarizes it as evidenced by love to God, love to man. We see that in Matthew 22, 34-40. Jesus says, basically, these are the key essences of all of the law. 
love God, love man. Some might say, well, I'm a good person, I don't hurt others, I do what I can to help those in need. But the Bible says that the law isn't just good. It's not just a good standard, it's a holy, a just and a good standard. Holy means morally and spiritually excellent. Just means morally right and fair. Good in this context also means morally right, but virtuous. So when I when I put those three together, it says that the law is holy and just and good. All three. It's the it, the, the the law is holy. So as I said, it's the best you can be morally and spiritually perfect in every way. Would be a good description of that. Just means morally fair, regardless of how it affects you. There's no bias in your judgment. You're always fair, regardless of the cost. And good means your moral standards are perfectly impeccable. So not just one, but all of these three things describe God's law. It's perfect in every way. There's no bias and it's always fair regardless of consequences. And it's morally impeccable. Do you and I fit that? Absolutely we do. I don't think there's (laughs) anyone who uh, can argue that, you know, that we we, We uh, have always kept the laws perfectly. Yeah, we have not, you know. We're guilty of breaking law. Every one of us, then, is guilty of breaking God's law somehow, yeah. somehow, because we don't fit, we don't measure up to that that um, that standard. As we read earlier in James, the Bible also says that if you break one, you've broken them all, mm. because God's standards are so high and so perfect. David, uh, our listener question this morning is, would anyone be willing to share a time when you received relief from some long-held guilt? We would love to hear from you. Text us in on 0488880891. Just remember, if you don't want to share that on air, just let us know, and we'll keep that private and confidential. The uh, book offer for today is called Counterfeit Guilt. We'll give you a bit more information about that. You'll be able to claim that using the same number, 0488880891. This is Lauren Daigle with Rebel Heart.
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we're speaking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus and this morning we're talking about freedom from guilt. Now we have been asking you questions to text in a response to and we've had another response this morning, an amazing story that we've got to share. This is Christopher from Victoria says that last year we jumped out of a plane at 3,000 metres Both parachutes failed. My tandem instructor, Aaron, did all he could do to protect me. Not long after impact, Aaron died. In reference to guilt, I had survivor's guilt. I'm so grateful to God for performing a mighty miracle to save my life and that I'm able-bodied doing things with family, friends, and now enjoying getting back into scuba diving. Wow, what a story. What a story. What a story. Thanks for sharing, Christopher. That's hard to share. That's really hard to share. Mm. And I can I can hear in that story the difference between guilt and gratitude. Mm. And hopefully I can do that justice as we as we go through the rest of this and, and perhaps Chris, if you don't mind, we, we might come back to that mm. and touch on that a little bit later and hopefully draw those two together. Powerful, powerful story. So David, uh, where are we going now? Yeah, look, before the break, we were talking about how there's no one that hasn't broken God's laws. That's it, Um, And in Romans 3.10, the Bible puts it like this, there is none righteous, and then it reinforces it, no, not one. Hmm. 
that's not very hopeful. No, it doesn't sound very <laughs> hopeful. It's not very hopeful. No, it's, uh, that's because God's standard is so high and perfect. I was explaining that it was so high and perfect, and it's impossible for mankind, who is now separated from God because of Adam and Eve's sin, to be capable of living up to God's standards, listen carefully, in and of themselves. Mm. So it sounds pretty bleak. If you can never measure up, what's the point of trying? Well, where, That's where's what, the hope? Yeah. Where's the hope? That's what people think. They think, well, I can't measure up. What's the point? I won't mm. bother trying. I'll just live my life. I'd be a good person. So it means that regardless of how hard you try, you will fall short in some way because we're no longer connected in that way that Adam and Eve were before sin. So then comes the guilt. Um, if guilt is that feeling of having done wrong or failed in an obligation and we're always going to fall short, then we're caught in this perpetual guilt trap. Um, how can we get out? How can we be free? How can we get out from this guilt? Mm. Read through Romans chapter 7. Hopefully, as we unpack a little bit of this, we might be able to understand it a little bit better. Fortunately for mankind, though, we created the issue, but God has provided the solution. We're going to come back to that thought in a moment. But there are two words that are often confused when it comes to wrongdoing. One is conviction, and the other is guilt. And our book offer digs deep, much more deeper into this. She'll explain that in a moment. <clears throat> But perhaps this is because both can be used as either a noun or a verb interchangeably. Now, I'm no um, scholar in English, so some teacher's going to say, hey, I'm explaining this wrongly, and that's okay. But the, you have the naming of an action, and then you have the emotion or the action itself. So the action you actually do is the verb, the doing one, mm. but the name of that action is the noun. So we might say he was convicted that's the, the doing thing, mm -hmm. um, the verb, I've been made aware of his guilt. The guilt is the noun, a feeling of wrongdoing. So, so then we sometimes get the two of these words mixed up. You know, is it, is it conviction? Is it guilt? Um, am I being uh, declared guilty here? Am I being convicted? Or, or am I having this overwhelming feeling of inadequacy and failure? And then we look at these two words, and it's interesting that Satan uses these concepts, these feelings, to trap us. Mm. <laughs> so essentially conviction is the, in the sense of sin, is being declared as being found guilty of an offence, in this case, breaking God's law. However, as we can read in Romans chapter 7 and verse 7, the law is there to make us aware of God's requirements and our ability inability, sorry, our inability to keep them. So I want to read that in Romans chapter 7. Let me zip across to Romans chapter 7 and verse 7. Let me read that. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would have not known uh, covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So the law is, it's got a purpose. The law has got a purpose. Apart from being holy and just and good, the law declares that we have failed God. So then comes this feeling of guilt, a sense that follows the knowledge we've just gained as we discover how God is holy, just and good, and his laws are the same, and we're incapable of keeping them. So Paul, Paul goes on and describes this catch-22, if you like. 
and its associated feeling of guilt and helplessness. Still in Romans chapter 7, I want to read two verses, 19 and 24. And listen to Paul's frustration as he, as he writes. For the good that I will to do, I don't do it. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. <laughs> mm. I want to do the good, but I keep doing all the bad. This is what this is what Paul is saying. And he goes on in 24 and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, he feels this guilt. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Can you hear it? Can you hear the disappointment? Mm. I don't know if you've ever gone and tried to get a better job. Um, you know, you train for one thing, but you think, no, I want to do something different. So you open the paper, you start looking through, you register with employment agency, and you constantly find the jobs that say um, experience necessary. <laughs> it seems you want to get a job, but to get, um, you, you know, you need the experience in the job, mm. but you can't get the job. You can't get experience, experience unless you get a job. <laughs> That's correct. It. Yeah. It's a no-win situation. Mm. You know, it's a no-win situation, and it's it seems to be the tr- the same with the sin and the law. We've all sinned, and we're separate from God. Without God, who gives us life, we can't live. We're going to talk more about that next time, mm. and remain connected with Him. But the law says those who break God's law will die. So we're in this no-win situation. If we die for our own sin to pay the price of disobedience to God, how can we be reconnected to Him and live? We're stuck in a perpetual catch-22. And the, the amazing thing is God knew this, mm. and he provides the answer. Paul sums it up in the very next verse, and he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is who will deliver us from the uh, problem that he finds himself in. <clears throat> Remember, holy means morally and spiritually excellent, perfect in every way. Um, Jesus came and lived this life in total alignment with God's law. Perfect in every way. He has no bias in his judgment. He's fair, always, regardless of the cost. When you look at Jesus' life, you can see he did this regardless of the cost to him. And good, morally right and virtuous, means his morally moral standards are perfectly impeccable. Then he takes our sin on himself. Second Corinthians five twenty one talks about this. He had no sin, God gave him our sin. Think of it like a physical thing that God takes off us, puts on him. It's not ours anymore, it's his. And then he pays, he pays for that. And then we are accounted righteous because we no longer have that sin. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Jesus is guilty. He's become guilty for us, and we've become righteous because the sin's mm. not with us. It's with Jesus. Mm. So as long as I remain connected to the one who's taken my sin, he can erase the guilt that I'm feeling. I just simply humbly accept that although I'm separated from God by birth, from birth, because of Adam and Eve's failures, I'm not guilty of those failures. I'm guilty of my own. And Jesus' sacrifice for us can restore that connection as I daily remain connected with him. It's important. Mm-hmm. I can be free from the guilt that I'm feeling for the wrongs that I've done when I accept the goodness and fairness of God through what Jesus did on my behalf. Mm. So it's easy to recognize that we've all um, sinned, we've all broken the law. Um, I guess it's 
not as easy to see how God has stepped in, Jesus has stepped in and taken our place. But uh, that's something that, as a Christian, we've really got to grasp hold of, isn't it? Yeah. We, o- we often still feel guilty, though. Mm. More on that after the break. Mm, that's it. <laughs> There's another question. Uh, I might talk to you during the break about this other question, and we'll, we'll decide whether we've got time to discuss it. So, But uh, let's have a look at the book offer for today, Counterfeit Guilt. It's called... Then the subtitle is A Deadly Intrusion by Herb Larson, Jr. What is guilt? What is its purpose? Why do you experience it? What is its source? Have you ever experienced the dark cloud of being plagued with incessant gnawing guilt from something you had done in the past? Have you ever wondered why it is that you can ask for forgiveness for a particular sin and believe that it has been forgiven and then wake up the next morning with the same guilt from the same confessed sin still haunting you? These and dozens of other related questions are answered in a solidly biblical discourse through the pages of this book. If you have or are dealing with oppressive guilt, then you are invited to, once and for all, find liberation through an understanding that not everything you may have previously believed or understood is actual, actually biblical truth. Mm. We'd love you to get a copy of this book. We've got just four copies of this to give away today, so the first four in after the break with the code uh, to our show number 048880891. This is All You'll Ever Need by Andrew Peterson. Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. It's enough to pay the price to set you free. He can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need.
blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's oil. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you'll ever need. That's Sandra Peterson with All You'll Ever Need. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And we're speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of freedom from guilt. And that song really wraps it up. Um, but before the break, I offered a book offer, Counterfeit Guilt, A Deadly Intrusion by Herb Larson. And the code for today is REFLECT and the number 10, R-E-F-L-E-C-T, number 10, no spaces. Text that in to 0488-880-891 to claim your free copy. We've just got four copies to give away today. So, David, before the break, we're talking about uh, God and his laws and the fact that we can't keep them in our own strength. Mm. It's not really possible. But uh, God has done everything possible to allow us to reconnect with him mm-hmm. and but even you know us after we ask for forgiveness we still hang on to that guilt somehow so mm. how would you like to sort of wrap this up and help us with that <laughs> yeah look you know if it was just us and just god in the picture perhaps we would feel the freedom from guilt immediately because god can do that he can take take those feelings away but there's more than just god and us in the picture and in Revelation chapter 12, I know I've, I've referred to this in the past, but I want to go back there again. Revelation chapter 12, <clears throat> this other player is described as a great red dragon, a serpent of old, or this serpent of old, the devil and Satan, and also the accuser of the brethren. That's, that's actually quite important, that title, because it says he's accusing us day and night, doesn't rest. Mm. All the time, all the time, that's what it's saying. But Jesus says, come to me, I'll lighten your load of guilt, I've paid the price for it. You don't have to carry it, give it to me, I'll set you free. But then Satan whispers, he says things like, you don't deserve it. I broke God's law, I'm done for. Mm. You broke it, you have to die too. It's the law. It's the law. The law says you're not good enough. And you never will be. And who do we believe? Well, we've tried and we've failed. Tried and failed, tried and failed. We've tried so much that perhaps we're just starting to believe Satan's lies. Mm. You know, after all, don't we have to eventually get it right for God to accept us? Wow, that's a a really good question, David. (laughs) I hope you're going to answer it. We start believing Satan's lies and we sink deeper into our guilt. And then we say, well, what's the point of even trying? Mm. What's the point? That's what Satan wants us to believe. You know, even just this morning when we were, gonna pre- we were preparing for this, we had issues, didn't we? Mm. That's because Satan doesn't want you to hear this. Mm. He doesn't want you to have a guilt-free life. He wants you to be caught, trapped in that catch-22. You're guilty. Sin sa- the, the law says you're going to die. You need to die. Mm. You can't get out of that because you did it. Do you remember the list of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit? Yes. This is going to help in this section. I would like to see how we reflect a guilt-free attitude in our daily lives. The, the list of the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to flick back there and I'm going to just read a few. Um, love, joy, peace, you know, all of those. It says in verse 22, chapter 5 of Galatians, 
Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Why? Because the law is holy and just and good. Mm. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long They're holy, just and good characteristics and traits. It's love because God is love. It's joy because this, you know, this gift of the Spirit is what God gives um, to all those accept him. You have the love because he is love. You have joy because we accept all he's done for us. Mm. It's peace because we are reconnected to God through Jesus. We have peace. We don't have to believe Satan's lies. We don't have to. Jesus himself basically says, in different words, but he says that he was alive from the beginning and the father of lies, John eight forty eight. Both Peter and James then tell us what to do. They tell us what to do. Peter had his failures, didn't he? He did. <clears throat> we, don't, we don't hear so much of it, but James also tells us what to do. He had his failures. He was the brother of Christ, as in the human brother of Christ, mm. um, uh, by the same mother, and he did not even believe Jesus was who he said he was until after he was resurrected. Mm. You know, um, interesting, very interesting. They sh- saw their share of failures. And it wasn't just Peter that ran away. They all ran away. They all denied Jesus. So both James and Peter say, submit to God first. Be humble. Accept, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm separate from God. I need to submit to God's authority, not my own. That's the first step, always the first step. Then we resist the devil in God's strength. And they say that when we do it like that, we resist the devil after submitting to God, Satan will flee. He goes away. He goes away and he takes those whispers with him. Jesus did this when he was tempted, <clears throat> you know, in the desert. He's, he's weak, he's tired, he's had 40 days, no food, and Satan comes and tempts him. And Jesus, having submitted to God all this time through his life, resists the devil. So by following Jesus' example, we can reflect him and we can show others how they too can have the victory over the one that accuses them day and night. Don't believe Satan's lies. Mm. That's, that's the bottom line. You know, Jesus died for you, and when you give your sins to him, he removes them because he's already died for them. Um, a lecturer from college once said to me, don't believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs. <laughs> believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Mm. I really like that. That's good. This makes a big difference in your life. Now, because of what Jesus has done for me, I can have courage to want to live as he wants me to, and he even gives me the strength to get past all of these troubling traits in my life. So now I want to live for him. Coming back to what Chris said about his skydiving jump, we can feel guilty, and he did. He obviously did for a long time, but he can also feel grateful that that man gave him his life back. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to feel grateful and not to be buried in the guilt. Mm. And someone once said, our life is a gift from God. How we live that life is our gift to him. So coming back to our opening illustration about 
our daughter being disobedient because she was disobeying. She wasn't guilty of anything anyone else has done, just what she did. But rather, she was guilty of that anyway. We find ourselves stuck in this mire of sin and guilt because of what Adam and Eve did, but we're not guilty of their sin. We are born separate from God and we need help to be reconnected. Mm. Jesus is that help. And God has provided it for us. So when we accept what Jesus did on our behalf, we're reconnected to God, we can begin living a life that's acceptable in his eyes. And the totality of sin and mire will not be fully removed until Jesus returns and gives us new bodies. This, um, like Paul had that challenge. He says, we, we find ourselves trapped in this issue, but don't believe Satan's lies. We don't have to fall, them, fall for them. We accept Jesus' free gift and believe his promises, and we can have real freedom from the guilt mm. of sin, and then we can model that to others. Thank you, David. There's a lot of good stuff in there and uh, obviously something that many of us um, have struggled with and it's good to um, talk about this and mm. you know delve into it, study it more. What have you got for us next week, David? Yeah, next week we're going to talk about freedom from death. Freedom from death, how a relationship with Jesus gives us freedom from the eternal death that sin brings. Mm. So we touched on that just a little bit. We're going to dig into that in depth next week. And the question that I asked earlier uh, in the break of you is that, you know, there are verses that says that, that uh, the, the children of the fathers will be punished for the mm. third and fourth generation. And, and how mm. do we relate that to, you know, you know the sin that um, we, we talk about? So we might yep. uh, discuss that a little bit more next we week. We will. Um, tomorrow we've got a special guest, Mark Falconer. He's going to be talking about when goals collide with walking with God. We hope you can join us tomorrow. But right now we're going to go out with Don't Forget His Love by Ellie Holcomb. Thanks, David. Wherever you are, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, oh and all my inmost being. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, don't forget His love, who forgives all of your sins and to
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.